You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello and welcome to a special edition, a prospect edition of the D1 Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Patrick Rooney. Today's episode brought to us by our good friends at S2 Cognition. S2 Cognition delivers a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from youth levels all the way to the pros. Uh, This is a Mike Rooney guarantee, not an S2 Cognition guarantee, so let's not confuse the two things. Here's my guarantee. If you're a hitter in softball or baseball, and you swing at the strikes, and you take the balls, I guarantee that it's going to go better than if you do the opposite. So again, there's your Mike Rooney guarantee. Um, I guarantee that I can't help you with that, but S2 Cognition can. There's another guarantee. That's a softer guarantee. Um, So thanks to those guys. Great product. Check them out. S2 Cognition. Really good stuff. Um, I am joined by the great Joe Healy, the great Aaron Fitt, and the Director of Credibility, David J. Seifert. Gentlemen, uh, it's good to see you, Fitzy. It's good to have you back. You've been you've been like a, a rock band. You've been on your your college baseball fall fall tour. Let me start with a name banter question. It's the holiday season. I just had a revelation this morning. Coach Rooney has never tasted eggnog. Have any of you guys ever had eggnog? It looks awful. Yeah. I do enjoy uh, Clark W. Griswold serving cousin Eddie eggnog. That's a great scene in Christmas Vacation. Um, Fitzy, let me start with you. Have you ever had eggnog? Is that in your, is that in your repertoire? You know, I loved it when I was a kid, the non-alcoholic version, of course. Um, of course, course. I've never had the alcoholic version. Uh, and I have not, uh, tasted eggnog as an adult. Uh, uh, it's just too rich, too rich, too sweet. You know, I'm, I'm off all that. But, uh, when I was a young lad, boy, yeah, I would go after some eggnog. Bring on the eggnog. Saif, how about you? You ever had it? Or is it in the is it in the uh, rotation? It's not in the rotation. No, I'm I'm learning something every day. Have you had it? Have you ever tasted eggnog in your life? Um, uh, I'm sure I have. I cannot tell you what it tasted like though. So it's been a while, you know, because I'm yeah. yeah, me me too. My dad at his Chris my parents always had a Christmas blowout party. Uh, like the whole neighborhood would come over. It was it was um surprised the cops didn't come over, to be honest. Uh, but but my dad, Michael Patrick Rooney Jr., not serving eggnog. He's serving mm. the coldest beer on the planet Earth and then whatever mixed drink you want, but not um R- rolling a, rock. What's your go to? Uh, what, what was Mr. Rooney? Oh, he'd, he'd have the he much to my mom's Yingling. chagrin. He would have everything like Yingling, you know, like Coors Light. Anybody requested it once, it was forever more on the roster. So, yeah, it was it was uh, I, I'm telling you, there there are 
I'm trying to think of something I'm passionate about in my life as passionate as my dad is about cold beer. The beer is like it should hurt your hand. It should be so cold, mm. um, which is why we have a million koozies in my parents' house too. But uh, we digress. Joe Healy, get us back to eggnog. We are going to strike out as a podcast on eggnog. Oh. I have eggnog has never touched my lips. Um, and I'm not super motivated for that to happen either. And it makes me wonder, okay, so we're not necessarily a representative sample, right? We're, you know, uh, you know, so I don't want to paint it that way. However, we did just go 0 for 4 on uh, some of us have tasted eggnog, but not current eggnog drinkers. Is the eggnog industry doing well? I, I kind of feel like it might not. be one of those things that like we look up 50 years from now and some of us will be here. Some of us won't. That's just, that's just stats. You know, yeah. like, you know, I don't know if I'm making 85, you know, mm, um, know. I think we'll look up in like 50 years and I, I just wonder if eggnog will, will kind of be one of those things that we people talk about used they used to drink and it just isn't isn't much of a thing anymore, mm. which is to I say it'll probably fair. make you come back. You know, it'll be like a throwback thing, kind of like how how people <laughs> hipster. people I, it's the hipster. Yeah, drink. exactly. Exactly. Like how Fitzy, people you'll be drinking like, uh, with you in your cigar bars. You'll be having eggnog in five years. I mean, look, the, the glue vine is popular now, like, you know, like hot wine, um, glow wine is the, the translation. But like at Christmas markets now, like you, you can get like a hot glass of wine, basically. And it was a thing for a long time and then it went away and now it's back. And so maybe eggnog is on that similar track. Glue wine? Yeah. Glue vine. Yeah. It's like a like a German thing, I think. Hmm. It's served hot. It's actually pretty. I mean, the like molds, glasses I've had have been pretty good. I don't know what mold yeah. mm-hmm. means exactly, but no, but it's like spiced. Yeah. Like it's Goodness like they, they have a little cinnamon stick action going on there, but it's, it's quite right. good. I want to come on this. We, we need an over under on the life expectancy of eggnog. Cause you're right, Joe, the, the hipster angle is one I had not, um, I had not thought of that said, gentlemen, the, um, the college baseball version of the podcast is brought to us by our good friends at pitch logic, the system used by players, coaches, scouts, and instructors at all levels of play from youth leagues to the big leagues Easy to use, affordable technology. It makes the platform accessible to every player at every level. All the metrics and features that are used at the highest level of our sport. See pitchlogic.com for more information. Pitchlogic.com. So thanks I, to those guys. Um, there we I go. Just, and If I oh, could cut ahead. in here, I, it's a real shame that S2 gets stuck with the eggnog portion of the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, PitchLogic gets the good stuff, but here we go. Uh, I don't know. Well, wait a minute. Who, who's think to about say, the intrigue? Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Will Will? I mean, this is a life or death situation for the eggnog industry. I mean, yeah, I think. Hold on, just a minute. Uh, like, pitch S- logic S- might have got the short shrift here. S two will help you make uh, the best possible drink decisions. You know, uh, yes, that, that's, that's what they're right. all about. Oh my gosh, that's great. That is my dad. He needs some purchasing decision uh, making. Uh, improvement when it comes to his Christmas party. But all that said, gentlemen, we have a very fun topic, not named eggnog today. We're going to talk about two-way players, two-way players that are 2024 draft eligible players. And um, let me start with this. Two-way players are so fascinating in college baseball because with 11.7 scholarships, our historic level, I mean, a player that's capable of hitting and pitching, like that's a bonanza, right? Like that's Brendan McKay is worth his weight. This is a an all-American hitter who's an all-American pitcher, like that's worth his weight in gold, but it's hard, right? Like that's the other thing to be able to hit at the division one level and pitch at the division one level. Now you're talking unicorn status. 
So let's let's do history, and then we'll do the 2024 draft eligible guys. Um, Joe, I'm going to start with you. Favorite two-way player in the history of college baseball for you? I'm going to go Jesse Crane from the University of Houston Whoa! from like nice more pull. than two decades ago um, because he was, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, he was really the guy, so I was a, a kid at this time and just learning about, learning that college baseball even existed, frankly. Um, and he was the first guy that I remember seeing because it was local to me who played both ways. And all I knew was major league baseball where that didn't happen. Right. And so I, I just remember thinking like, well, this is cool in college baseball. They have guys that hit and pitch. And it was just such a eye-opening experience for me to realize that was a thing. And of course he was a, like a dude for Houston that year and went on to be a longtime big leaguer on the mound. But, but um, it was just a revelation for me that that, that was a thing. So he stands out. The other one I'll throw at, I'll throw at uh, you guys because it's a, a personal a little bit of a personal story is A&M had a guy um, 2006 through nine, I guess Luke Anders, like a big tall first baseman, six, six left-handed thrower. He didn't really pitch in college, but he pitched in high school. And let me tell you um, as a left-handed, a mediocre left-handed batter in high school, I faced him one summer and um, it was not a comfortable experience. Like the ball was coming from the first base dugout. Um, you know, the, the first pitch he threw to me looked like it was coming behind me. And so I kind of backed off the plate and then realized the pitch was like center cut, you know, and then, um, then he threw me a couple breaking balls that I didn't see. And I swung over top of, and that, that was pretty much it. So, um, you were a left-handed hitter, Joe, you were, you hit from the left side. I did. Oh, yeah. hum you good mm -hmm. parenting. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Total. I, th I do everything else right-handed. It just kind of happened that I was left-handed hitter. So exceptional parenting well done jesse crane the, the sun devils of arizona state were on the wrong end of that houston 2002 team we hosted the regional and they came and pillaged the regional that was yeah, uh, I don't, michael born think... sullivan wagner yep. snyder cooley crane they were yeah they were cooking they were um cooking. i don't think he gave up a run all year jesse crane maybe not until the postseason like i'd have to go i mean those yeah. from a long time ago but i think i think he was perfect throughout the entire season at the regular season anyway yeah. By the way, the assistants on that team, Todd Winning and David Pierce, were Rainer Noble's assistant coaches. They were, they were the one yep. seed. We were the host, and they were the one seed for a reason. We were young, in fairness. Pedroia was a freshman. Pedroia's last at bat of his freshman year called out on strikes. We almost had to call nine one one. He he <laughs> considered homicide for the home plate umpire. He was not <laughs> pleased with that call. So, uh, Fitzy, what say you? Favorite two way player Gosh. of all time. I'm so bad at coming up with one name. I'm going to throw a few at you here. Please. Um, first of all, like Joe, I'm going to start with when I was a, a younger lad uh, before I got into the business. I mean, the first one that was, you know, during the 90s when I was a kid, first becoming a two in college baseball was, was Kotze, of course. Mark Kotze was uh, kind of the iconic two-way player of the 90s, I feel like, at Fullerton. But um, so that, I'll throw that one out there. And then, you know, it's in, in my career, I would say, uh, an early one that I really liked was uh, was Sean Doolittle, who of course went on to have a great career Ooh, in, in the major leagues. But he was people forget like he was a um, he was like a, a, a really good first baseman, hit for average at UVA, and um, he was a, I think it was a Friday starter, Saturday starter. You know, some good early staffs there. But and then then he became like the you know the the, the power reliever in the, in the majors with a fantastic makeup, just a hilarious human, big fan of Sean Doolittle to this day. Um, 
Josh Romanski at USD comes to mind. Uh, that really fun team with Romanski and Madison couch wow. and those guys. Um, Danny Payne at Georgia Tech is a sleeper. I'm going to throw at you. I just have this memory of him uh, at Duke. He's playing center field. He's like a little kind of stocky, you know, five foot nine ish center fielder, spark plug, high energy guy, leadoff man. I remember him having getting like a go ahead hit in the top of the ninth at Duke, and then sprinting to the bullpen, throwing three warm up pitches, then sprinting to the mound, and just like all energy, adrenaline, and just shoving to get the save. I I was uh, I always thought that was cool. He was he was a fun player. Uh, and, and then finally, I, I mean, come on, Buster Posey, guys, Buster Posey. Uh, I mean, I know it's too obvious. This guy's going to be probably a Hall of Famer. Um, but uh, God, what an incredible college player and just a stand-up human being that I, I felt fortunate to have covered during his, his Florida State time. I think we can all agree that the the most fun version of a two-way player is kind of what Aaron is describing there, which is the guy – who comes in as a reliever late in the game and his, his pants are just super dirty and he looks like he's been in a war and then he gets on the mound and is just going to try air it out for three outs and hope he still has enough in the tank. Like that to me, that's the coolest version of the two way guy is, is the guy who comes on the mound, like all like pre gassed, but he's just going to give you everything he's got left in the, in the tank. No question. Kotze literally jogging in from center field to, yeah, finish the game and the other team pretty much knows that this game has been terminated so cypher are you going with well i gotta keep it personal i'm just gonna go with one guy keep it personal um when i was at the university of evansville i recruited a young man named cody fick yeah um and i didn't get the chance to coach him because uh my last year he actually was injured so he redshirted and then i was out after that and then he put up just phenomenal numbers for uh three seasons with Evansville. The first two is just a hitter though. And then I guess in his third year, they needed another pitcher. They had some injuries, so they needed, they needed another pitcher. So Fick pitched in junior college and uh, he went on, he kind of got screwed out of the player of the year award because back in that day when Wichita, Wichita state was in the league and Gene was there, everything ran through Wichita state. Like that was the league. They got treated like royalty on and I, I have stories, but I will spare you those stories and just get back to the <laughs> Fick story. Um, in 2011, his senior year, he uh, went 7-4 and four with a, a 2.36 ERA. Uh, he was their number one starter. And then he also hit 4.06 uh, with like 70-some RBIs uh, his senior, senior, senior season at Evansville. So Cody Fick, without a doubt, would be my biggest, my, my best two-way player in college that I, uh, that I saw, that I recruited. Didn't get the chance to coach him, though. Mm, that's a good one. I mean, there's so many. So, like, we didn't mention AJ Reed. That's another incredible one. You know, I basically won the Golden Spikes as a two because he was a two way player. Um, you know, Brendan McKay. I looked it up while you guys were talking. Thirty two wins on the mound and twenty eight home runs, and eighteen of them were that final year. Um, you know, he's an All American hitter for three years. I mean, Brendan McKay is probably the the Roy Hobbs of the two-way player in college baseball. You know, we didn't mention Todd Helton, Jason Jennings, Tim Hudson, oh, oh, John Olerud, who the name, the award's named for. His stats, I, that's, a, that's a good deep dive. Like, go back and Google John Olerud's stats at Washington State. They're comical. Uh, boys, I'll, I'll give you this, and we'll get to present-day players. Give me Brooks Wilson of Stetson. Mm. 20 saves in 2018. He hit 299 that year. Didn't hit for a lot of power. He had the flowing locks. He had he basically had Fitzy's hair, um, you know, and and just that Stetson team was so cool. A Sun team hosting and winning a regional and going to a super regional. So I see you, Brooks Wilson. I don't know if he's still playing or not, but 
he was he was a good time. I love that. Yes, I was surprised hey, uh, we didn't get like a like a Cole Calhoun from you, Runes. He didn't pitch at Arizona oh, State. Pitch. If he did, if he did, he I think he pitched in junior college. He had a bazooka, um, but he, he could have there. pitched. Mike Leak was two wayish yeah. at that time at Arizona State, but he never he was too important on the mound to ever fully actualize that. But there were like when when Murph was mad at the shortstops, he would have Leak take ground balls just to spook the bejesus out of him because <laughs> there were many of those three teams. You could argue that Mike Leak was the best shortstop on all three of them. Incredible athlete. Every just year, and I remember every year Murph would, would be, tell us, "Oh, he's, he's he's definitely this is the you know he's definitely going to play. He's gonna he's gonna be our, our shortstop." Like every fall, it was without fail, he was like talking up how Leak's gonna yeah, like yeah. He's gonna play every game in the field, and it's like, okay, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, hundred and thirty. Ike, Ike Davis did a little bit of uh, both. Right oh, that's now. right. There yeah, there you go. That's yep. a good answer. Yeah, that is a good one. All right, boys. So, Saif, let me. I want to before we jump into individual players. Can you give us? I I think that the other reason why two way players are a cheat code in college baseball is because they're harder to scout. Now, that's just my impression. Like, I don't know. Is he a hitter? Or is he a pitcher? Now, Jack Caglione kind of trumps all that because like he throws a billion and he hits his home runs 17,000 feet. So maybe that's not confusing to scouts. Um, it, you couldn't mess that up. But I don't know. So let, let, let me uh, ask the question instead of answer the question. Is scouting two-way players a little bit trickier than normal? I definitely think so because you really never know what you have. Well, as a pitcher, I mean, you can scout the hitter. You see you know, how many pitches every game. Um, how many bats throughout the season. So you get a real good feel for the hitter, uh, but you don't get the best feel over, I think, as the pitcher, because what happens when that pitcher puts down, you know, puts puts down the bat and just concentrates on pitching full time. It's kind of like what happens with that two-sport athlete, like Brody Breck, when he just concentrates on one sport. It's, you know, it's kind of the same thing. So we have a good picture, but we don't have the the full picture. Um, so that's, that's my take. Yep. Hey, um, can I jump in real quick here just to correct former Arizona Correcting. State assistant coach Michael Patrick Rooney? What do you got? Um, Cole Calhoun made 11 appearances for the Sun Devils in 2009. Uh, really? Had, had an 11 ERA as well. So maybe <laughs> no, you're maybe, that's Rooney's, why I don't remember it. Maybe a forgettable. <laughs> Rooney was at recruiting. Rooney was <laughs> recruiting on those days, yes. Let the record show, Brooks, I try, or, uh, yeah, I, Cole, I tried to cover you, but I got outed. Sorry. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> yes. Nine appearances? I can't Ele- believe 11. I didn't... 11. 11. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's a lot of appearances. <laughs> I only remembered when Leak and Spence pitched that year. Yeah, that's right. So. Yeah. In fairness, I was the radio guy that year. So it's uh, all, yeah. Right. Yeah. I was less invested. I was up there, Bob Euchre, with my mixed drinks calling baseball <laughs> games. Love it. Actually, they were peanut butter crackers, but it's all good. Um, very good. So, so that makes sense. What you're saying, Saif. That makes it. I didn't never thought about it in that type of detail. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies. Your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. How about Captain Crunch's Crunch Berries with breakfast? Whoa, Dad, we're on Crunch Island. <gasps> it's Jean Foot. <laughs> and he stole our crunch. Quick, the zip line. He's getting away. Throw our last Crunch Berry. 
No! No one steals my crunch berries. I think you mean my crunch berries. Choose your own crunch venture with Captain Crunch. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. Let's let's jump into this year's group. It feels like this is a bigger group than normal. Um, Saif, pick a player from the list. You've got a piece that will be coming out shortly on these guys. The piece is not out yet, right, Saif? No, it'll go out later this week. Okay, cool. So, so yeah, you, you can take us from the top, Saif, but give us one player. We'll go around the horn and, and pick some players off this list. Well, I think the, the one that maybe, I don't hate to say he's under the radar, but I mean, everybody talks about Jack, and for good reason. Caglione is a stud. He's, he's I mean, he's everybody as good as all the guys we've, we've talked about, I think, at the, end of the, at the end of the season. I think he'll show that. But Carson Benj, uh, outfielder right-hand pitch from Oklahoma State, last year was his first year. Um, he had Tommy John surgery, um, you know, so he missed his true freshman year and just didn't play at all. So last year, 2023, was his first year, and he was still kind of coming back early, you know, from being his 12, 14 months out from Tommy John. So super athletic, 6'1", 6'2", 185, 190 pounds. Um, you know, he's got the bloodlines. His, his brother played there. His older brother played there years ago. Um, but uh, he'll run up in the mid-90s with his fastball, and he can hit. He's got a loose Whippy swing. It's athletic. He led the Cowboys last year, batting average of 345. There's power in there. He only hit, hit, had seven last year, but there's power there as he just continues to fill out and um, get bigger and stronger. But uh, um, I'm not saying he's my favorite one because Jack is my favorite one, but I think Carson Benj is probably the one that hasn't been talked enough, ha- hasn't not been talked about, about enough at this point. Yep. Fitzy, you've seen him in person. Do you like him better on the mound or as a hitter? Um, I would say as a position player, but it, it is legit guy on the mound too. It really is. I mean, you know, it, it's just a live athlete and I love that, you know, guys who have that kind of athleticism on the mound. Um, it's a fresh arm, you know, I mean, as, as Sife said, coming off Tommy John surgery, um, we haven't really gotten a chance to see him pitch that much, but, but, you know, last year he made those 10 starts and, um, you know, we're going to see him for sure this year. I mean, it's, it's, it's real stuff, but boy, I just think it profiles so well, uh, as an everyday outfielder with, with all-star potential, you know, I think he could be a center fielder. I think he played right field. That arm obviously plays in right. Um, and I just love the swing and the athleticism. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of this guy. Uh, certainly. So if you pick my pocket on that one, that's, that's my, that's my, my favorite guy on the list. I mean, obviously again, Jack's the best Jack. I mean, we do have to talk about Jack a little more because yeah. it's like a, it's a generational talent. It's a singular talent, in my opinion, in the history of college baseball, because yeah. it, as great as, McKay was and Reed was and old root, all these other guys we talked about. Um, I think none of those guys has the pure upside tools ability as both a pitcher and a hitter. Now, Jack doesn't have the track record to this point that McKay and Reed and those guys had as, as both because he hasn't thrown strikes consistently enough. Uh, but as far as the tools, I mean, it's 80 grade power and it's, you know, an 80 grade fastball like you're talking about 
you know, two like Otani-ish tools here for this guy. Like mm. they call him Jack Tani or whatever, you know, it's, it's from a pure tool standpoint, it's not really an exaggeration. He just doesn't run like Otani, but I mean, like it's, it's nuts. It's nuts how talented he is. And he's not, he's not harnessed at all yet, but boy, you see flashes of it on the mound too. And it's, it, it's boy, it's tantalizing. He doesn't run like Otani Fitzy, but he's a good athlete. Like yep. he's like an NFL tight end level athlete, like where it's, it's smooth and it's not awkward. It's he's coordinated. And you're right. Like everything he does is a thunderbolt. Like he's the Zeus of college baseball. Like if he hits a ball, it's a thunderbolt. If he throws a ball, it's a thunderbolt. Joe, let me ask you this question. Here's the challenge for Jack Tani is that the last time we saw him pitch, he lit the stadium on fire, right? And that's, I'm being a little bit dramatic there. It didn't go well. But what's your take? Like, like right now, he's Florida's Friday night guy, right? Very well could be. They, they've done a little bit of tinkering with him this fall. David Kopp has been really hands-on with him this fall in trying to get him in the strike zone more. Because let's face it, that's all – like, nobody hits him. Like, it's – I mean, occasionally, but it's mostly just free passes. Like, he hit a lot of guys. He walked a lot of guys. A lot of balls to the backstop. All of that. And so – if they can just get him in the strike zone, yeah, he's as he's as good as anybody in the country. I mean, the stuff is certainly as good as anybody in the country. And um, so I have heard that through. I did not see him with my own eyes on the mound in the fall, but I have heard that early on there were some ups and downs in that. They they made a pretty radical arm slot change to start the fall, and it was like not looking great. And then they t- tweaked it a little bit. And last last reports I saw were that he was in the strike zone a lot more consistently as the fall wrapped up. So he'll give us a little different look than maybe he did last year. I can't tell you what that'll be because I, again, I haven't seen him, but everything I've heard has been pretty positive. And honestly, you know, Florida's going to be all right. I mean, they're looking in a situation where they might not have room for Brandon Neely in the rotation. I mean, so that's how that, that's how loaded they are. So, um, you know, they've got plenty of insurance and Hey, it's, it's nice if he can just kind of fall back on basically what he was last year, which is like, Hey, we're just going to let this guy, we're going to put him out there on the mound every weekend. And sometimes it's going to go great. And the times it doesn't go great, we're just going to say, Hey, he's still best hitter in our lineup. And we're just going to do a bullpen day. And Florida won a lot of games doing that. And so it, I, I spent all season kind of wondering, is this tenable? Like, are they going to leave him out there? And like, kudos to Silly and that staff. They just did. <laughs> they just wore it on days when he wasn't good. And they knew they had enough around him that they could just let him work through it. And maybe we'll see a different pitcher next season. And those, going through those rough patches last year might just end up being a part of that process. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Good on Sully. Like those guys, it was ride or die. They were riding it out. Like it was really impressive. You don't see that in college baseball. The The urgency is too great sometimes to do that, but they did it. Saif, let me wrap Jack, Jack Caglione. By the way, Saif, you whether purposefully or, or, or accidentally, you said Jack Caglione earlier, which was just amazing. And I may steal that from you on occasion on days where I don't want to say Caglione. Caglione sounds way more authentic. Um, well done. Yes. yes. Hey, Safe, do you think is, 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 is Jack Caglione's left-handed arm strength or his left-handed power, which is the more rare tool? You know, like, like if you had to grade out an individual tool, which one is harder to come by for an MLB organization? That type of power or that type of arm strength? Arm strength. Yeah. I mean, there's more, I can't just sit here and roll through them, but there's a lot of guys with 80 grade left-handed power and there are yeah. far fewer with 80 grade left-handed pitching, you know, a role as Chapman being one. And I'm, you know, we can 
getting some others, but uh, yeah. But that's the thing, though. Nobody has both. Yep. And and to Maybe your point, Steph, we don't know how hard he's going to throw when he puts the bat down. And he's coming off Tommy John surgery. Like there could conceivably be more in there. I mean, Otani has eighty and eighty, but his is right-handed power or right-handed arm, left-handed power. Caglione has eighty, eighty for left-handed, so he is just freaky rare. It's Ruthian. That's why we think he's one-one. You know, that's why we had D one think he's one-one, and um, he'll stay there until he proves otherwise. I just don't think that's going to happen. Good use of Ruthian right there, Fitzy. That is right up there with bumper crop. Right, isn't that the only other guy? Like, obviously, we have no idea what kind of fastball Babe Ruth had, but like, <laughs> like you know, elite left-handed, like top of the league, left-handed power, left-handed arm. I mean, uh, and I will say this about Jack: it's not only is it raw; it's not just raw power. It's like use he, he led the country in home runs, didn't he? I mean, like, it's yeah. not just raw; it's like actual game power. That's that's top of the scales. It's so crazy how how elite that is. Yeah. Caglione's the one guy that I wouldn't ding for hitting more home runs than doubles. Like usually I, I, that concerns me when hitters do that, but for Cags, it's almost like he can't hit a double because he hits the ball too far. Like the, the stadiums can't hold his doubles. So. Yeah. I mean, you watch his batting practice and there's a lot of line drives that just for 99.99% of the population are, are going to be doubles, but they just like backspin their way out of the stadium. You know, I mean, it, so I think your point's well taken, Runes. It's just, I don't know how capable he is of hitting doubles. Yep. We haven't seen this type of left-left, um, you know, unicorn since David Seifert at the University of Illinois, but Itch Jones screwed right. Seif and didn't hit him. And so... 80-runner, 80-runner, but he didn't hit me. So it says a 20-bat, so it doesn't go too well. 20-bat. <laughs> You're being harsh, but I, I appreciate the... Uh, that dichotomy there. Fitzy, give us another two-way player off this list. Who's another fun name for you? Yeah, there's some uh, there's some good ones here that that Mr. Seif put together here. I, I mean, we got to talk about um, Braden Montgomery, right? Because it's like real X factor as far as what he's going to give you off the mound. Like we know how talented he is as a as a well, he talented in both, like super talented in both. It's loud tools, uh, but I mean, you know, he's he's got a nice track record as, as a power hitter plays a great right field he's athletic um you know he runs i mean it's just like a prototype right field kind of profile uh, but he also can you know throw in the high 90s right i mean and it's like this guy's got a chance to be a real impact pitcher if he were to focus on pitching i think he could you know he could be a big league um probably bullpen guy but like he's just not throwing strikes consistently and um, he just hadn't really had a chance to pitch that much at Stanford. And you wonder, how's that going to look at A&M? And Joe, I don't know if you have a better sense for this. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I have to imagine he, you know, he, when he transferred, part of it was he wanted to pitch more. Um, and I know that some of the programs that were pursuing him were like trying to put together, Here, here's a plan for you as a pitcher. But like, how much is he really ready to, to pitch for a national championship contender um, this spring? I, I'm, I'm skeptical still there. Yeah, I think nothing is obviously definitive. We we don't know, but the indications I've gotten is that he's actually just probably not going to really be in the mix on the mound at mm-hmm. AM. To the I, I would say, and this is just Joe's opinion, <clears throat> I think if he ends up getting significant time on the mound, I think something else went wrong at AM where they needed they needed solutions on the back end. Um and you know, I'd love I'd love to be wrong about that because it's fun to see a guy with that kind of arm strength and you know, it, we've seen the potential since the minute he stepped onto the Stanford campus uh, a few years ago. But I, I just 
with AM having some of the options it has and um, really, I think, wanting him to be a, a game changing offensive player, I, I'm i kind of skeptical that we see much of Braden Montgomery on the mound, if, if at all, in 2024. Yeah. Hey, can we confirm he is a switch hitter, correct? Is that, or is he left handed hitter? No, he is, he is, he's switch. He's definitely, I mean, switched. that's the other thing, right? Like, you really going to maintenance two swings and Ooh. pitch. Like, that's a lot. I mean, you're like three players in one at this point. And so, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, when Braden Montgomery's in the lineup, you're better for it, right? Like, this dude is so good. Just so good. And I'm, um, not, trying to, I'm not trying to work against what Joe just said, because I do agree with what Joe said. But, like, Caden Grice, if you had asked me at this point last year, what's Caden Grice going to be? He certainly wasn't going to be a second rounder as a pitcher. Now, he's he's a pitcher only in pro ball. So, hmm. um, you know, because Caden Grice, everybody's trying to tap into that. 80 raw power, right? And he did at Clemson, you know, this past year's draft year. And but he also really took off on the mound and uh, was drafted second round, like I said, by the Diamondbacks. And, and here he is today. He's a pitcher only in their system. So um, I would agree, like I said, what Joe said. But I'm not putting it past Brady Montgomery to, um, you know, at some point maybe the he puts down the bat at least from both sides of plate goes to one side of plate and has more time for pitching. But uh, it's there. I mean, the guys up are. Upper 90s, uh, his fastball is a little straight. I'm not, I've never really been sold on how it plays. It definitely plays below the velo, um, and his slider could improve. But, again, how much time do you have to work to throw bullpens when you're hitting both sides of the plate and you're playing outfield and you're playing for Team USA and everything else the young man's done in his life? Yeah, he's so gifted. I mean, we, we just don't get talented athletes like this in college baseball. I mean, just – freakishly gifted super bright kid obviously just incredible talent hey let me let me give us two more names that i definitely want to cover cole mathis college of charleston i mean pretty cool like he's had this incredible run i think he was very good in the cape cod league if i'm not mistaken and then um and didn't and didn't transfer right like he stayed at charleston which is super cool if you guys saw him this summer or have anybody seen him pipe in here I, i don't i couldn't pick him out of a crowd of two but I'm really interested in learning more about him. Yeah, I saw him hit and pitch this summer, both. Um, the bat is a little bit ahead of the pitching. I mean, as a pitcher, he's just out there. He fills the zone with a 92-94. He'll touch a 96 with his fastball, and he's just out there competing. Uh, he spins it okay. It's it's below average. Um, you know, it, it could get better, but the swing and miss comes with the, the, the little jump he's got on his fastball. Um, but he's just out there competing and trying to fill his zone. Uh, at the plate, Really balanced, got some strength in his swing, uh, really good approach, doesn't swing and miss much, just puts the ball in play. And I believe he hit well over 300 in the Cape uh, this summer. But yeah. he was a guy who went to the Cape really not knowing anything about, and all of a sudden there's this legit two-way guy. And, I mean, if I'm doing the draft and I recommend him as a hitter first and then a pitcher, um, but, uh, yeah, certainly certainly a, an under-the-radar mid, uh, mid-major guy that uh, – the, the national scene should know about. Yeah. Uh, and, and I saw him as a hitter in the Cape and lo- loved the bat. I did not see him pitch, but really like the bat. I just think he's, he's going to hit, man. I mean, you're, you're right. Saif. he's, uh, I just got a knack for it and he's strong. You know, he's physical, some guys, correct? Like it's yeah. a pretty physical dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some, some guys that physical six, one, two, ten. you know, some guys can just be a, they hit the mistakes that, you know, they hit the cookies and I can think of a lot of guys in the past, you know, um, we always have our cookie, our cookie hitter every, every uh, spring that we talk about, but math is, it's just a lower effort swing, small load, low maintenance. Um, he's got it under control. I think he would hit 
whether it's, you know, for Charleston or if he was, if he did transfer somewhere bigger, better conference, whatever, he would still hit. He'd be like the the big dude that went to Auburn a couple of years back, uh, went from uh, Sam. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He'd be like, he'd be like Sonny D. He'd be like Sonny D. He'd just go to the SEC and he'd keep on hitting. Love it. Hey, uh, the other one I wanted to talk about, Joe, have you seen Peyton Tolley? I've not actually. Yeah, that that he's he's a blind spot for me. Even last year was was a guy who you know was putting up numbers and and didn't know know a whole lot about, frankly. Yeah, I mean, he sounds really interesting at TCU. Uh, Fitzy or Sife? Any? I mean, I think we all know the name, and we're kind of in Joe in your your spot, Joe. Like he seems like a great get for TCU. Anybody? Yeah. Any of you guys seen him? Uh, we I know we had uh, some of our Midwest guys saw him early in the year last year. I have not seen him either, but um, boy, I mean the 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 track record is outstanding. He's super physical. He's been a performer uh, for two years as both a hitter and a pitcher. You know, I mean he's been he's been a really valuable player. Um, I think there is field ahead, and and you know it sounds like it's it's fuel for four pitches, right? Like it's, it's a very polished player. Um, I don't know what his pro future is. Saif, I don't know if you have a, a sense for that, but I think he's certainly intriguing as both. Yeah, I have seen him. And uh, <laughs> I, I think he's, for me, he's pitcher over hitter. Um, he's just a big, strong guy with length to a swing in, in the batter's box. And when he squares it, it goes, I mean, he's strong and uses the leverage and length to create the power. Um, I'm not sold on those types of swings. They certainly can be improved and tightened up and, and you know, developed over the years. But for me, he's a, he's a pitcher, uh, pitcher first, uh, definitely. Um, but again, it's, it's a longer action guy. Um, it's a fastball that plays up. Um, the velocity is not huge. It's 89-92, but he gets he maximizes what he can do with location. And it's, it's, a, it's a longer slurvy breaking ball that I'm sure Sarlus and, and company have already tightened and, and bettered. Uh, during just his three months there in Fort Worth. So uh, I think it's going to be a different guy than I've seen, especially with the uh, the quality of the breaking pitch. But uh, Kendall just saw him, um, and Kendall just saw him and compared him to Luke and Baker 2.0. So I know Bacon was right, right, and Tolley's left, left. But uh, there you go, Horn Frog fans. Uh, here's uh, the left-handed version of Lucan. Joe, as you've said, TCU is one of those non-SEC programs that's done some big game hunting in the portal, and I, I think we all agree, Peyton Tolley, regardless of pro future, this is that's a big game knockdown right there for TCU. That's yeah. that's a really good get. Um, this this piece will come out in the if you're listening to this, it's maybe already out on the website or it's out in the next week or so. Really good. There's a bunch of other really interesting names in there. Gavin Guidry went to LSU as a shortstop. He really was they don't win the national championship without Gavin Guidry switching to reliever and now it's like what do they do right like he's he was a special reliever last year mm-hmm. and um you know what what happens to him as a position player there's a name Joe Cade Snell that's a junior college kid if I'm doing that right that's at Alabama that sounds really interesting now the most interesting name that's not in the the premier part of the list is is Alden Mathis and he's really interesting because he is a uh, he's a former member of the Green Machine, the Newtown Edgemont Little League. Went to Marple Newtown High School. Grew up with his dad, Chip Mathis. I mean, I think that's all. I'm sure all that that stuff will be in your piece, Sife. Um, at D1 Baseball, we never miss an opportunity to cover Newtown Edgemont Little League. That's a that's a point of pride there. But he's a, he. It, all kidding aside, I don't. Did you see him when you saw Clemson, uh, Joe? Did did Mathis play at all? Yeah, he he hit. Um, and that that's yeah no he he did not pitch but he's he's a guy that at Richmond which is where he came from he, you know came in with some 
pedigree, you know, 19th round yeah. pick out of high school, like a, a real get for Richmond. Right. And it kind of felt like it, it took him a while, you know, the numbers are pretty pedestrian, but then he, he, he broke out kind of late in his career. And I have to assume had some, uh, maybe some opportunities along the way, given his pedigree and talent to, to just kind of move on and do the pro ball thing. He strikes me as the kind of guy that we've seen some of these guys, especially in the 20 round draft where MLB organizations are looking for a little more certainty. They're taking fewer flyers. They want to make sure they, they get real players in their, in their draft picks. And he strikes me as a guy, even though he's older, that has the talent to actually pop a little bit and, and be a guy that MLB organizations take another look at um, now that he's playing in a little more high profile place and is going to have an opportunity to get, you know, at bats and innings against ACC competition. Yeah. As I understand it, he was like a true blue three sport athlete in high school, football, basketball, baseball. Um, I mean, if I was going to ding Alden Mathis, it's like you went to Marple Newtown High School where my brother Sean went. You didn't go to Malvern Prep. What are we even doing with our lives? I mean, what right. you know, what sure. what, what happened there? Real but character we, issue there, yeah. Are we a scared of challenges, Joe? Like, are, right. you know, afraid to we, compete? Yeah, afraid, <laughs> afraid <laughs> to compete. Oh, love that term. Oh, very good, uh, gentlemen. This was super fun. I'm glad we did this. Saif, thank you as always for for spearheading this. Really, I mean, again, this is a really cool list of two way players and Jack Caglione. I mean ironically didn't win the John Olerud award last year because Caden Grice did. Hmm. So, you know, is there someone that could challenge Cags for it this year? I don't think so, but you would have thought he would have won it last year too, in some ways. So that was, um, that was a fascinating debate for us during our all American meeting last year is like, how do, what, what the heck do we do there? Cause it seemed like, yeah. you know, obviously Jack was the most talented, pure, you know, pure tools, pure talent. But I mean, Grice, I think you could make a strong argument, had the most valuable year as a two way guy. And it's like, well, it felt like 100%. Jack had to be in the first team. And they had, you know, there was a lot of moving pieces there. I remember we went all around and around and around. And I don't even remember where we settled, but like, uh, that just kind of shows you as good as Jack Caglione is. He's not hit the he's not hit the ceiling yet, right? Like he's still like last right. year wasn't even wasn't even like a, a slam dunk as the most valuable two way guy. I think this year he will be, but I really am intrigued to see what he can do as a pitcher. It's just such a fascinating storyline heading into this year. Yep. No, good stuff. And of course, we we touched on the the topic everyone's that that it that's top of mind for everyone. Like, is the extinction of eggnog imminent? Like, is that is that a thing? Is it is it gonna have a hipster revival? I mean there's a lot. We've got there. our best people on it, Runes. <laughs> yes, Top men. Oh <laughs> yes. gosh, that will be that will be a big topic of debate at the D1 baseball stakeholders meeting in Cut and Shoot Texas this year. <laughs> um, gentlemen, it was good. This was fun, fun conversation. Happy holidays, everyone. Um, enjoy this. Look out for Sife's piece uh, on the website. We've got a bunch of really impact. We got big fall reports coming: Texas, Ooh. LSU, Arizona State, UC Irvine. Don't sleep on the eaters. Um, and more. So I've got uh, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, Auburn, Alabama. I got a lot more big, big ones coming up up there. Let's go. We got some good ones. Dare I say it's a bumper crop of fall reports (laughs) yet to come. Bumper crop. Hey, now that's it, everybody. Have a great week and we will catch you next time on the D1 baseball podcast. The D1 Baseball Podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, 
Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. 